Pentecost enables us the gift of faith by which you and I can come and know the knowledge of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the Holy Ghost, I wonder where we would be. Without the revelating knowledge of the Holy Ghost, how would we even begin to understand how Jesus died on a cross, how he was buried in a tomb, and then he was raised on a third day, and then he ascended? In our carnal minds, in our, in our worldly wrapped up minds and, and our brains and our way of thinking, there's no way on God's green earth that we would be able to even begin to grasp the knowledge that it takes to understand what took place in that time. You see, in the, in the carnal, being resurrected is unheard of. It's just not there. So we don't, we don't understand that. But through the, the faith of the Holy Ghost, we can understand that. You see, Jesus was not finished when he, when he rose from the dead and ascended to be glorified. But he came back to give the greatest gift of all, the gift of his own spirit to live inside of us. You see, he gave the Holy Spirit. He said that he would send another, one that is the same as him. With all this being said, I want us to understand something today. We're going to go, we're going to kind of skip through a little bit of Acts chapter 2, and I want us to focus on a few things. But I want us to understand three specific things about, about the Holy Ghost and about the Holy Spirit today. And I'm going to, um, the first one I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to talk about just a little bit, but what I want to focus is mainly on the second and the third part. I want to focus on them extremely importantly today because it, it really is what it means for us to have the Holy Ghost today. I want to talk about receiving God's power, receiving His Spirit. I want us to look at three aspects of receiving God's power. Number one, I want us to look at the promise of Pentecost. You see, there's a promise of Pentecost. There was a promise from way back when of Pentecost, so we're going to go over that here in a minute. Then I want us to look at the posture of Pentecost. The posture. A lot of times we don't think about what that means, the posture we're going to get into that in just a moment. And then we're going to look at the picture of Pentecost. The picture of Pentecost. What it is. Receiving the power. Go to Acts chapter 2 with me. I want us just to read a couple verses here. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Would you stretch your hand this way? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, God, and I pray, Lord, this morning as, we, as I bring your word, God, that you would hide me behind your veil. Lord, it is not my word, God, but it is a word that you have bestowed upon me for this day. And God, I pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that you would just allow the word to go forth as it is, as it is, it is intended to. And I, Father, I just pray, Lord, that it falls onto fertile soil. And God, that it does not go by the wayside. But Lord, this morning, we want to learn more about the Holy Ghost and about who you are. Lord, we want to understand about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. We want, we want to understand about how we can receive the Holy Ghost this morning. God, we are celebrating the Pentecost Sunday, God. And Lord, we just praise you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. 
and amen. First, I want us to look at the promise of Pentecost. The promise of Pentecost. How many of you understand that there's a promise, or there was a promise of Pentecost? You know, Jesus promised Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verse, verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses unto Judea unto Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And so there was a promise. But, but you know, just because there was a promise by Jesus doesn't mean there was that there wasn't a, a forepromise. But you see, back in the Old Testament, there was a forepromise of, of, of the Spirit to come. We go to Joel chapter 2, and we see what, what Joel chapter 2 says. It says that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. He didn't say I'm going to pour out a little bit of me. He didn't say, I'm going to pour out Jesus. He didn't say, I'm going, to, I'm going to pour out the godly things. But he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And what is the spirit? The spirit is the spirit of God. It's the, it's the Holy Ghost. It's, the, it's the, the rhema power of the Holy Ghost. It's the, it's the um, endued power of the Holy Ghost. You see, we were, we were promised with the Holy Ghost. Each and every one of us as a Christian, when we, when we kneel down to the cross and we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, there's a promise that God give us right then and there of a Holy Ghost. Why? Because Jesus is no longer here on the earth. God isn't here on the earth. So there is something that we have to have to keep us and sustain us, and that is the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to deal on the, on the promise very long because I want to get to the next two. And I'm not going to preach very long, hopefully, today, but I want to get to this, what's going on here. I want us to go to, don't worry about that. I want us to go to the, the, the posture. How many of you understand what the word posture means? If I were to sit down, hopefully this thing doesn't fall on me here. But if I'm to sit down and slump over and kind of just hunch over like this, I don't have real good posture. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to, I want you to understand something. Eventually, as I'm sitting here, things on my body are going to begin to deteriorate. My toes are barely even touching the floor. But as I'm sitting here, I can tell you, before too long, what's going to start happening is, is number one, I'm going, to begin, I'm going to begin having some pain in some areas. Number one, my hind end is going to start hurting from sitting in, in this way because I'm not moving around. But the next thing is it's going to start in my lower back, and it's going to work its way up the back. You see, there's something about posture. You know, when I'm talking about posture in the Christian realm, there's something about posture in the church. You see, oftentimes as Christians, when we get saved and we get sanctified and we start to pray about the Holy Ghost, we don't understand about the posture that we need to have. We, 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 we think that we could be Christians and, and be all curled up like this and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost is just going to move on us like that. But I want to tell you something, that that's not the way that God designed it to happen. There's a posture that the church needs to take in this day and this hour about the Holy Ghost. There's a posture that, that we need to have a mindset of that we need to take in today's culture. What is that posture? The biblical record tells us that this is a posture of a people who are ready to receive God's power. You see, if, if we're a people who aren't ready to receive God's power, we're not going to receive God's power. If we're a people that are scattered abroad and we're not in here, you see, on the day of Pentecost, what happened? They were in one mind and one accord in the same place. You see, if, if we were to take everybody in this building today and I were to take you outside and just scatter you all around and then try to preach a message, not everyone's going to hear. Not everyone is going to 
get a hold. Not everyone is going to understand. Why? Because we're getting little bits and little pieces. It's the same way within the church body. If, we don't, if we're not all in one mind, in one accord, and in a posture of waiting and understanding, Acts 1 and 14 tells us that they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary and, uh, and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. And then Acts 2 and 1 declares when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You see, we have to have posture. There are four aspects of this posture that I want to talk about today. Before we get there, I want, I want, to, I want to say just a few things. There is no substitute for Christian community. Let me say it again. There is no substitute for a Christian community. There are all sorts of clubs. There are all sorts of, of things that you can get involved with in, in the city. You know, there's the Knights of Columbus. There's the Lions Club. There's the Eagles Hall. There's the VFW Hall. There's all sorts of things that you can get attached to and that you can, you can get, get yourself be part of a membership of. But there's nothing better than the community of the church. Why? Because when you get into the community of the church, there's a, dip, a different atmosphere. There, there comes a kind atmosphere or a good atmosphere like we talked about in Sunday school this morning. There, there's a kindred spirit. You know, there's the, the fruit of the spirit is evident in the community of a church. The Holy Spirit is evident in the community of a church. But when you get si- outside of that community, then you're not in the correct posture to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. There are several polls that declare that a high percentage of Americans are professing believers in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I think the last poll that I read was somewhere around the 76th percentile of Americans who are professing to be Christians today. 76%. That is outrageous. Outrageous. Add to that the number of people who claim to have a deep spirituality. Maybe not necessarily they claim to be Christians, but they claim to be, have a deep spirituality in something like Islam or Buddhism or whatever they want to have. But they have a deep spirituality in that. You'll find that an overwhelming percentage of our fellow citizens see themselves as the people of God. But here's the question. Why, then, is there not a greater impact on our society or our world. Why? Because our, the people who call themselves Christians aren't necessarily living inside the community of a church. They're not set up with a proper posture for accepting the, the Spirit of God. God's, God, I'm sorry. Let's go with aspect number one. Losing my place. Aspect number one is being together in one place. You so see, you can't go it alone. How many of you have tried this Christian walk by yourself? I did. I mean, come on. I, raise your hands. It's okay. I've tried to go on, on, on my own. But you know what? You can't do it. Why? Because the enemy is stronger than you. He's supernatural. You're not. He's stronger. So we've got to have a group. You know, uh, you need your brothers and your sisters. Uh, so many people who claim spirituality are pursuing it on a lone ranger basis. We've got, we've got so many people in Preachers that are standing in the pulpit that aren't allowing their people to pour into them. Amen. Can I say that again? We got 
preachers that are standing in the pulpit that aren't allowing their people to pour into them. People will give them uh, suggestions, or people will give them, or, or just tell them, hey, we're praying for you. You know, I don't need that. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. There's nothing that I, you know, that, but there are so many preachers that are like that in today's society. There's so many people who are trying to live Christian life outside of the realm of the, of the community of church. A second aspect is the necessity of being in a spirit of prayer. The necessity of being in a spirit of prayer is absolutely gone today. There are few people that confess to be Christians today who live in a constant spirit of prayer. I want to tell you something. If you're going to live this life of Christianity, if you're going to live the life with the Holy Spirit, you have got to be in a spirit of prayer constantly. The Bible says that we need to pray without ceasing. We need to be in a, in, a, in a realm of God all the time. You see, when we go to our jobs, there are people there that need to hear our prayers. When we go to school, there are people there that need to hear our prayers. They don't necessarily have to hear them out loud because when you're praying in the morning, getting ready to go where you're going, that means you are preparing yourself to walk into that place. And when you walk into that place, you're carrying the Holy Spirit with you. And when you go into your workplace and the, and the Holy Spirit is all over you and you begin to walk down the corridors and the, and the hall ways of maybe your school or your, or your workplace all of a sudden that Holy Spirit because you are in the spirit of prayer that Holy Spirit begins to go before you it begins to go beside you it begins to go to the left to the right and behind you and before you know it everybody that's that's in your surrounding area and now is feeling the power of the Holy Ghost they may not understand what it is but they know that somebody around them has been praying and somebody around them has been putting themselves postured in a situation where the Holy Spirit can move throughout their body we got to be in a spirit of prayer but too many people today in, in today's society say, I don't need it. All I, all I need to do is read the word. And, and I, I heard one, one very, very popular preacher who's on TV say it this way. I'm not about preaching uh, the, the things that, are, that people are doing wrong, but I'm all about making them happy. Just going to stop right there for a second. Christianity isn't always about being happy. We have joy. But it's not always about being happy. It's not always about, you know, from standing from behind this pulpit. You're, sometimes you're going to hear some messages that are going to kind of step on your toes. Sometimes you're going to hear some messages saying that sin is sin, and you've got to repent of your sin. You've got to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, set apart, and you can't do the things that you're doing. If you do, you're going to go to hell. If you don't want to go to hell, I know a Savior that can save you. I know a Holy Ghost who can keep you. Sometimes you're going to hear that. It's not always about saying the happy. And, I, and I, I'm sorry to say it, but sometimes I feel like those people who are preaching like that are just not full of prayer. They've allowed their prayer life to go south. They've allowed their prayer life not to become a prayer life of, God, what do you want for my church? God, what do you want for your people? Holy Spirit, what do you want us to tell your people today? How do you want your people to live today? How do you want them to understand you today? There's a posture we have to have. Being together in one place. Necessity of being in a spirit of prayer. We've got to open up our hearts to God. You see, God wants your attention today. If you don't give him your attention by being in prayer with him, what's going to happen? I, just like I talked about, uh, I've talked about quite often, I, you know, I, I used to go to the gym and work out all the time. But if you, if you don't keep doing what you're doing, if you don't keep going in and bench pressing, if you don't keep going and doing curls, those muscles are going to end up uh, 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 decreasing in their size and you're going to lose your strength. 
It's the same way with our Christian walk. If we don't exercise our Christianity, if we don't exercise reading our word, if we don't exercise uh, praying, if we don't exercise being filled with the Holy Ghost, exercise our Pentecostal heritage, then eventually that is going to leave us. Posture. A third aspect is to be taking seriously what the Scriptures have to say. Let me say that again. Taking seriously... What the scriptures have to say. Now, I'm not going to go into a rant on denominations today. But here's what I am going to say. That there is a people who believe that this very scripture, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and, when they, were all, they, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They believe that that scripture only happened once. And that it was only for that time. We've got to take our scripture seriously. Because if it was only for them, then how would we be endued with power from on high? How would we as a church today be able to communicate the power of the Holy Spirit with the unbeliever. Brother Eddie, I couldn't go out to the streets and just say, hey, homeless man, Jesus lives, and walk off without any power thereof. It would be ineffective. But because we're endued with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can walk to that person. And there's something different about being a dude with the Spirit than trying to do it on our own accord. Because when we go to that person, when we grab them by the hand, then all of a sudden there's a connection. And when there's a connection, all of a sudden there's a power that transfers from one to another. It's, and I can't explain it. You can't explain it. They can't explain it. But all of a sudden when you, when you, when you touch and, and there's a, a connection, there's a transference of the Holy Spirit, that becomes a whole new ball game. And then when tongues come... Then since that person has been touched by the Holy Spirit, they begin to understand. Now, I want you to understand something. There are two different types of tongues. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me hang on. I'm getting ahead of, ahead of myself here. Taking seriously what the Scriptures have to say. How many of you have ever done a study on the 10 days that the 120 people were in the upper room? In the upper room, they, were, they weren't just sitting in there praying all the time number one they had some business that they had to attend to the bible says that they that they had to fill judas's spot as a disciple so they filled judas's spot but also peter began to teach the scripture peter began to talk to the disciples and he began to to minister into them the scriptures and what the scriptures had to say and they became became very intent upon the scriptures they understood, what, they started to understand what the scriptures mean. They took it very seriously. They didn't leave there, but, you know, in, in today's time, people don't take the teaching of the word very seriously. You know, they just let, let the teaching go in one ear and out the other. You know, whatever happened to the times when, when we would get into the house, and, and I know this is kind of a little bit teachy today, and, I, and that's okay. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a teacher by heart. But there comes a time when the teaching of the word has to come out and has to come evident. But it's not just about the teacher delivering the word. But it's about the hearer being intent to the word of God. And being serious about learning 
the Word of God. You see, the disciples were in a learning phase. They were learning about what God was, about, you know, because Jesus went about doing things, but, but how often did they actually study the Scriptures with Jesus? They did, a, they did some, but He did mostly miracles and parables and things like that. So they began to get into the scribes and the Word. Peter expounded on the Old Testament teachings to them. It's a posture of receptivity to God's teachings. We have to be receptive. A fourth aspect of the posture is that they were waiting expectantly. They were waiting expectantly. See, what are we doing, at, what, what are we doing today, church? Are we waiting for God to move expectantly? Or are we just kind of just sitting around nonchalant, wondering if God's even going to move? You see, there's a people today that are sitting in pews, who are sitting in the, in the chairs of the church, who are sitting idly by and just waiting and wondering to see what God is going to do. Is this God real? Is he? But today we've got to have a people who are waiting expectantly. We've got to have a people who are ready and willing and able to see what the power of the Holy Ghost can do, ready to see what the power of God can do in our lives. Is there that dimension of waiting in our lives? You see, we live in a culture of instant gratification. We don't live in a world of wait anymore. You know, we talked about, the, I believe you talked about this last Sunday, uh, last Sunday morning in Sunday school. If you want a burger, you go to McDonald's. And you get it in probably less than a minute. You know, if you want something, there's a store for everything you want. You just go get it. Instant gratification. God doesn't work that way. God works in His timing. God works in, in mysterious ways. And He does mysterious things. And He, you know, sometimes He answers your, your prayers in ways that He wants to and not the way you want to, that you want Him to. I know it's kind of awkward that he does that, but it's so true. But we have to be willing to wait. You know, but we're not willing to do that. We don't have any patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. We need to have that patience. It's a, it's a, a, a supernatural patience that we need to have to wait on God to do what he needs to do. What is your posture today? Is yours a posture of being together on a regular basis with other believers? Is yours a posture of prayer? Is yours a posture of having the Bible open before you in personal, daily meditation and corporate teaching environments? Is yours a posture of waiting upon God, trusting Him in His time, fulfill His promises in a way that you do not get over selfly impressed with the victories of your life and overly discouraged at what appear to be the losses and the tragedies? You see, oftentimes we get over-discouraged because we think that everything's not going the way it should be going. You know, we get really high on the highs, and then we get really low on the lows. But whatever happened to being the even keel? The Holy Spirit can do that as long as we're willing to wait. Third, I want us to look at the picture of Pentecost with people receiving God's power. And this is, this is where the day of Pentecost came. There were three great Jewish festivals to which every male Jew who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem was legally bound to come. They were the Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. You guys understand that Pentecost was actually before, there was a fe the Feast of Pentecost was actually before the Day of Pentecost. We don't just call it the Day of Pentecost because it, it happened on that day. 
But isn't it awesome how God created the day of Pentecost to usher in the Holy Ghost? That's why we call it the day of Pentecost. The name Pentecost means this, the 50th. Another name for Pentecost could be the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks meaning so-called because it fell on the 50th day after a week of weeks. Seven days, uh, seven weeks, each having seven days after the Passover. The Passover usually fell about mid-April. So the Pentecost would usually fall the beginning of June. Now the feast had two main significances. One was a historical significance in that it commemorated the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. The day of Pentecost in, in that time was to, to celebrate the Ten Commandments that was given to Moses, the law to Moses. And secondly, it had an agricultural significance in that the Passover, and that at the Passover, the, the first omer of barley of the crop was offered to God. And at Pentecost, two loaves were offered in gratitude for, for the completed and ingathered harvest. So Pentecost was actually celebrating the harvest that was planted at the Passover. It's neat to kind of understand a little bit of history of what the, of what the day of Pentecost really was. No work was to be done on that day. It was a festive holiday and an occasion that the streets were filled with people. Now, Luke in, in Acts paints a perfect picture of everything that's going on. He says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance then he goes on to describe how they were staying in Jerusalem God fearing Jews from every nation who heard the sound and came and gathered in deeply perplexed wanting to know what is this wanting to know what in the world is going on why are these people these people they're Galileans why in the world do they speak in my language? You see, there's something about the Holy Spirit. And this is where I wanted to get to the communication part of the Holy Spirit. There's two different types of, uh, of communication here. I can't find it in my notes, so I, I, I know what it is. Number one, it's intellectual communication or non-intellectual communication which could mean a, maybe a stammering tongue, which is the tongues that we usually see in today's time. We, see, we, we don't see necessarily the fact that people are speaking in an, in an unknown language, but they're speaking in what's called the heavenly language, unintelligible speech. And then all of a sudden there's someone who can understand through the Holy Ghost to interpret that. That's, that's, that's one way of talking about, the, about speaking in tongues. Uh, speaking in tongues is confusing in its own right. Nobody, nobody really can grasp it until you actually uh, experience it on your own accord. But secondly, there is the intellectual communication, which happened on the day of Pentecost. Because you see, there were so many people from so many different cultures in that day. I believe that there was 120 people in that room, and each one of them was speaking a different language that was known to someone who was in the crowd. You see, there were 3,000 people. 3,000 people there who, who all of a sudden, when that happened, perked up an ear. And they began to listen. And as, as they began to listen, the Spirit began to speak to them. 
And I believe that, I, I talked about this, I believe, Wednesday night. I, I, I believe that when Peter stood up and began to preach, I believe that there was 119 interpreters. I, I, my mind works in mysterious ways. You know, but Peter was one of the 120. And I believe that when he began to, to, to get up and to preach the gospel to those, I believe that 119 of them were interpreting exactly what he said to all the people that were standing in the area. And because that happened, they began to get saved. And they, 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 it says that, that 3,000 were added to the church that day. How in the world can we really summarize the Holy Spirit? The best way is this. I'm a sports guy. I love sports. Anybody ever play sports besides me? I can go back to, the, to playing softball. I, I love softball. Softball is probably one of my most favorite things to play. I, I played baseball in high school, but I, baseball is not as fun as softball. Slow pitch, softball, I love it. It's fun. But I, I'll never forget the very first time that I hit my very first home run. I'll never forget it. I got up to the plate. I was pretty small back then. I only weighed about 165 pounds then. I weigh about that many now, plus a few. But I got up to the plate, and I, I had practiced so much swinging the bat. And, you know, they, coaches will tell you it's all about bat speed. It's all about your wrist movement. It's all about how you swing your hips towards the ball. It's all about this, all about that. I remember one day I got up there, and there were, the bases were loaded. And I was like, oh, man, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. And I got up there, and I was holding the bat, and all of a sudden, my knees begin to shake. You know, everything in my whole body is just, I got nervous. I got nervous. And I, and I was like, you know what? I had this state of mind. I was like, you know what? Since I'm nervous, I'm not even going to try to hit a home run. All I'm going to do is hit the ball as hard as I can, and wherever it goes, it goes. I made that decision consciously in my mind. I went to, and the fence was far. I was like, I don't even know if I can hit it that far anyway. But when, I, I think it was the third pitch I hit. First two pitches were a little bit on the outside. I didn't like them. But when that third pitch came, it was right in my range. It was about chest high, and it was just a little on the outside corner, which is perfect for that good arm extension. And when I swung that bat, it felt like there was something else guiding that bat. It felt like there was a different type of a power going through me. Now, I... I understand it was me, you know, but this is just an illustration. And when I hit that ball, and I watched it fly, and I, and I watched it for a long way, and I was like, is it really going to go? And I think I was walking to first base. Is it really going to go? And when it finally hit the fence, I was like, wow. But you know what? When that happens to somebody when they're on the field for the first time, and they, and they come around, and their coach is talking to them, and he says, I didn't even know you had that in you. You know, and instead of them saying, you know what, I – I don't know if I, I didn't, I didn't know I had that in me at all. You know, here's what we should be saying. There was something else that was pushing the force. That's just like the Holy Ghost. Church, today we don't have anything inside of us to witness, to be witnesses. You know, but there's a driving force today. And that driving force is the Holy Ghost. And today the Holy Ghost needs to be taught more now than ever. And the Holy Ghost needs to be a part of our lives more now than, than ever. Christian, could you come to the piano? I want to talk about one more thing here for just a moment. It's not even in my notes. But here's something that 
Here's something that just absolutely does, doesn't really happen today except for on this day. There are churches all over the United States of America and abroad today because today is Pentecost Day that's marked on the calendar, me included, who are preaching a sermon on the Holy Ghost. But all too often, it's the only Sunday that the Holy Ghost is ever even mentioned in many churches. You see, we have to have the preached word of the Holy Ghost. We have to have the taught word of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that God is speaking into this church about the Holy Ghost right now because the kids are going through the fruit of the Spirit. We're going through the fruit of the Spirit in Sunday school. I'm teaching on who is the Holy Ghost on Wednesday nights. There's something going on. There's something God wants us to understand. And that very thing is, Sister Emily, is that without the Holy Ghost, we're nothing. If you didn't have the Holy Ghost in you when you stepped foot up there on that platform to lead worship, it would be in vain. But you see, because you have the Holy Ghost, you get people that don't even know you, just like last night, coming up to you and telling you, you've got it. There's something about people recognizing the Holy Spirit in you. Brother Eddie, when you're, when you're at work, there's something about walking up to something. You don't even have to talk to them. People know. It's recognition. It's recognition. It's about being preached, taught, and prayed. It's about moving in the Holy Ghost. Hannah, when you got up there on that stage at graduation, I don't know that I could have been any prouder. I'm proud of all the kids in this church. But that morning I preached on pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. And when she began to, let me tell you what, she didn't hold back anything. And I thought it was great that they allowed you to be last. So you could put a stamp on it. Because that's what you did. You put that Holy Ghost stamp for all them kids and all the adults that were in that group. And just like people that have come up to Emily and telling her that they can see it in her. There were several people that walked up to you that day and said, girl, I felt the power. Did they not? They felt the power. Sister Misty, when you begin to declare the word of the Lord and begin to pray from the, from the, from the platform, it's not without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the driving force. When we begin to preach the word of God from behind the pulpit, that sacred desk, the Holy Spirit is a driving force, the anointing power. When you begin to teach your Sunday school lessons, when you begin to study for them, begin with, the Holy Spirit becomes a driving force. Brother James, when you see that kid at school who needs, who needs a friend, it's the Holy Spirit driving you to be kind and good-hearted to that kid. 
adults when we're at work and we see somebody hurting. It's the Holy Ghost that's a driving force for us to make contact to find out what's going on or to attempt. There are some of us in here who work in some very crazy fields. Brother Josh, I know sometimes you don't like to hear this, but there's a harvest of people that you deal with. Now, you're dealing with them at their lowest. Sometimes it's not easy to minister to them. But there's going to come a time when the Holy Ghost is going to push you. And he's going to be the driving force behind what you're saying that's going to help someone. And you'll never know the impact until they come to you years down the road. Believe me, I know. When they come to you years down the road and they say, thank you for putting me in jail. Because that night changed my life forever. If you don't think it can happen, just wait. Just wait. Sister Jess, you work with people at the end of their life. What an impact you can have. I understand that my mom's an administrator. And she's told me stories beyond stories behind, behind stories. Of loved ones who didn't have any family. That she would go and sit at their bedside. On her deathbed. Knowing that they were getting ready to breathe their last. And she would hold their hand. And she would pray with them. And allow them to pray till their last breath. And I feel the Holy Ghost. That's the driving force of the Holy Ghost. Sister Megan, the Holy Ghost drives you to reach the homeless and to reach those who are dealing with what you dealt with in the past. Holy Ghost is driving you. And one day, you're going to understand just how importantly you impacted someone else. The driving force today, church. I don't know why I'm going this way. I'm just going with the leading of the Holy Ghost. There's a driving force. You guys work in a school. Man. Kids all around. You know, there's a, there's a kid that's going to come through a lunch line sometime. And they're going to be sobbing. Because mom and dad just split up. All you got to do is tell them you love them. Changes everything. Because that's the Holy Ghost. Everybody bow your heads for a minute. I feel the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. The Holy Spirit is everything that we need after salvation. Jesus is our Savior. The Holy Spirit is our 
comforter, our mediator. He is the one that leads us through this thing. Here's what I want to do this morning. I know that I know this isn't your typical altar call for Pentecost Sunday. Usually we want to come up and shout and jump and move, but I feel a different spirit today. And here's what I want to do. First and foremost, if you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I don't know everyone in the room. I don't know everyone's lifestyle. I don't know everyone's condition. If you're in the house today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior by the remission of your sins, I want to invite you to come to this altar. And we will meet you right here and pray until you understand what it means to be saved. If there's someone in the house today, I, I, I beg and plead with you right now to come. And secondly, if you want that empowerment, I'm not talking about the evidence. I can look around the room and I can tell you most everybody in this building that I know of is filled with the Holy Ghost. But if you want that empowerment, that pushing, driving force to move through you on a daily basis, I just simply want you to find a place to pray. And I simply just want you to find a place to get in tune with God and get in tune with the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, if we could put on, where's, where's Brother Josh? If you can go put on the prayer. Just put on Eddie James. And let's just spend a few moments in prayer. Just asking God to give us that pushing drive. That when he pulls someone out in front of us and says, here's your opportunity. That we take a hold of that opportunity. Instead of.